This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest that I'm going to allow her to introduce herself because there are mysteries that I want answered. Jen Levitt. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, yes, I, I'm not that mysterious, but um, <laughs> uh, I am uh, a docent at Hollyhock House, which is a restored Frank Lloyd Wright house here in Los Angeles. And I that's probably why you've got me here. Uh, <laughs> I have you here because we're friends and you're a very interesting person. Yes, also that. Also that. <laughs> um, but that's that's just my volunteer gig on the side. Um, I am otherwise just sort of a, a normal person with a day job. Um, <laughs> and I consult museums uh, and botanical gardens and aquariums and zoos uh, on their business things. That's, yeah. So it's like a cool day job, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. And I had that general picture in my head, but I didn't have the right nouns because there are many different nouns to use for that. Some are profit, some are non-profit. They all engage the public, but in different ways. Yes, yes. It's mostly non-profits that I work with, with the occasional, you know, for-profit, but it's mostly non-profits doing all that kind of stuff. So um, arts and cultural okay. sort of realm. So docent, that is, uh, the way you use it at Hollyhock House, does that mean not paid? Because that's how I usually associate docent. Docents are sometimes paid um, at Hollyhock House. We're all volunteers. Um, and I know just because a lot of people haven't heard the word docent before, that's just a word for tour guide. I'm yeah. just a tour guide. <laughs> Have um, you ever had a, a, a tour guide job where you were called an interpreter? Because that's what the Minnesota Historical Society calls Calls us. I have not been called an interpreter before, <laughs> um, but I will say that uh, I lived in New York for many years, and uh, there you have to be a licensed tour guide to really in, in order to even just you know drive the double decker bus or um, give a tour on the double decker, like of any sort of tour guide at all. Is there like a um, class where you have to point? Well, no classes, but you do have to take a hundred and fifty question multiple choice Damn. test. It's super elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> There's like one question that's just about Staten Island and it's got like 20 different things and it's like which one of which of these things is on Staten Island and you're like no one ever asks to go to Staten Island I don't know um but uh I so I took that test not because I wanted to be a tour guide but just to be like that's a thing I did everybody yeah. um but then I found out that I really liked it yeah <laughs> so um I ended up you know uh learning a ton about New York that way and um so so yeah it, it's a you have to be you have to be licensed there and you get a card and it's got your picture on it um but no I I've never been called an interpreter before okay yeah it's a um, weird one it is a weird one but I, I guess I have heard that before um you know, in in some places. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's meant to interpret the story. But when I first got the job, I was really hard up for a job, and I needed it. And my friend said, oh, "Well, uh, my other friend who who has seen your your theater and comedy work, uh, they have a job opening as an interpreter." And I was just like, "Sure, I'm not even going to tell them that I don't know any other languages. I'm just going to go for it." <laughs> right? Because no one mean... ever explained it to me. They're just like, "Well, you'd come here and you'd point things out and you'd tell stories. You'd be an interpreter." I'm like, "Cool." <laughs> Because that, that that name definitely sort of implies that you have to know a different language. It really does. Um, but but I <laughs> I think it's a lot of historical societies and historic sort of places yeah. that use interpreter because they want you to interpret the history. Yeah, and is, it, it ended up making idea. sense because people would look at that display and go, "Why the hell is that there?" And like, "Well, let me interpret that for you and <laughs> tell you how it connects to the larger story." So yes. all of that is to say, what noun would you docent you have for the actual tour guiding, but for the yes. rest of your business, what's your noun? Uh, 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 business consultant. Okay, I, it, which just sounds real boring, <laughs> but I guess that's that's what I do. Okay, you it, what kind of what's your favorite consulting moment where somebody has come to you and said, "What should we do?" I know it's not necessarily that direct and literal, but Yeah. Um, oh, that's a good question. Um uh, so a lot of times when I'm working with these places, it's because they've bought some new technology and they're like, okay. "How do we make this work within the context of what we do?" Yeah. Um, and so a, a lot of times uh some of my proudest moments are just convincing places you don't need an app. I know that sounds really <laughs> weird, but like no, everybody so awesome. everybody in the world these days is like, no, we need an app. Otherwise, people can't enjoy the museum. And like, you don't need an app. Are the <laughs> apps mostly them? like they, they want like 
tours? Yeah, we'll see. That's the thing. Nobody knows what they want their app to do. They just know that everybody else has an app. So we should also have an app. So I think sometimes some of my proudest moments are, are convincing people that you don't need an app. Okay. You can still engage people uh, in all the cool things that you have to offer yeah. without an app. Because yeah. when's the last time you downloaded an app? I can't. You go specifically to a place like an aquarium or a museum right, not, or a historic house because it's a physical thing to look at. So why right. would you need? Yes. Yeah. You yes. should just get an app that's called like peer pressure and you open it and then it just says, you're good enough. You don't need that. You can do it. You can do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think I know that sounds kind of boring, but. No, that's Conv- awesome. Convincing people you don't actually need an app if you have great things in your museum. Yeah. No, that, <laughs> to me, that really humanizes the idea of what business consulting is. And I also like to think that it's not always something like, well, you really need this or here's how to integrate this. But just like, that's dumb. Don't yeah, do that. Yeah. I am not necessarily like the Bobs from Office Space where I come in and go, <laughs> what would you say you do here? Although sometimes I do that. But but not that's not my end goal. Is not going to gonna, not gonna work here anymore. Not yep. going to work here anymore. Yeah. No, that's not that's not necessarily what I, I get into. Although sometimes I need to know what people do yeah. so that I can help them better. But no, I am i don't have hiring and firing powers or anything okay. like that. <laughs> No. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. But would you want them ever? Uh, or is that too much power? N- not for, not as a consultant, because yeah. I don't want to, everything I do as a consultant, I feel like is an intervention. So even yeah. the questions that I ask someone could really spend, you know, send a, a team into a tailspin. Okay. Um, I, I know that sounds dramatic and that's not usually the case, but I, mm. I always approach it like it might do that. Yeah. Um, because you don't know what someone's like, you know, pain points are. There's hard, yeah. there's tough stuff is. And so, you know, I, I always try to do that. So I, I would not want to hire or fire anybody because yeah. – because at the end of the day, I work with, with a museum for six months, and then I disappear into the mist like Brigadoon, <laughs> and I don't have to live with whatever uh, we've done. Yeah. They have to live with it. So if I fired someone that was really critical, that'd be terrible. Yeah. Yeah. My experience with nonprofits is that they are often great organizations with great missions, but then they're a little bit of a passive-aggressive family. So it's like like just going to somebody else's Thanksgiving dinner and just going like, hey, how about football? And then everybody drops into their forks. It's like, yep. we don't talk about football here because Ted and Stacy fight about it. You know, like, yeah, that's totally it. That's totally it. And so you have to just really, for the first you know month or so, I really spend a lot of time just really easing my way in. I spend a lot of time listening yeah. and hearing uh, what those dynamics are. Yeah. Because... You can pick up on them, and yeah. every, every everybody has them, whether they're a nonprofit or yeah. not. But yeah. nonprofits are especially uh, special in that way. I think. <laughs> I think so. I think yeah. they're special little darlings. Yes. Uh, anyway, your <laughs> obsession relates to all of this because yes. you offered me lots of great obsessions, but particularly Frank Lloyd Wright architecture in Los Angeles. It's true. That it's true. is fascinating. So you went down this whole road of being interested in architecture uh, and sites, historic sites from that quiz in New York? Well, that's kind of where it started. Uh, that just started as a goof. And I've yeah. learned that maybe I shouldn't do things as goofs because <laughs> they, just turn in, they just become serious <laughs> things that I'm like, oh, wait, I like this thing now. Um, so that's the lesson. Don't do things as goofs. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, that's kind of where it started. And then when I moved to Los Angeles about four or five years ago, um, I I really like to learn about places um, and the history of places. Yeah. And so um, Hollyhock House, which is the first house that Frank Lloyd Wright built here in Los Angeles, um, was closed at the time for restorations. But they it's in this beautiful park. Um, and and it's up on the hill. And so every Friday night during the summer, they do these wine tastings. Nice. And so my friends invited me to this wine tasting. I'm like, I love wine. I love picnics. Let's do it. And then I'm like, wait, what's that nice big house over there? <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, it's some Frank Lloyd Wright house. And so... You broke in. I was like, I need to know everything about it. Because why is it here? Why is it just sitting on this hill and yeah. it's closed and and so I went and did some research and then as it turns out they were looking for 
volunteer docents because they were reopening soon. Um, and, and they made it sound super serious. Like you have to apply and you have to be. And so I'm like, here's all my credentials. I got super <laughs> serious about it. I was like, I'm a licensed tour guide. I've got all these things. And they were like, yeah, come on. We were just <laughs> like, looking for somebody who yeah, has we, some we time just, on Tuesdays. Yeah, yeah. We just wanted somebody who, who like, who's interested. We just want to make sure you cared. And yeah. so. So um, I ended up, uh, you know, being in the fir- the very first uh, docent class they had. Oh, so cool. we got to spend six weeks with the curator um, learning all these little details about um, Frank Lloyd Wright and the house. And it's it, that's really kind of what sent me into a, a spiral here um, okay. because – he did so he, he did so much stuff here um, that made a lot of other things possible in Los Angeles in terms of architecture okay. and, and I think history. And so he was sort of my gateway to learning about a lot of other stuff here and architecture just in general. Um, but I think Los Angeles is one of these great architecture cities yeah and i think people outside of it don't realize that they think they see photos and it's like oh the hollywood bowl is pretty and then the rest of those places just uh, shitty strip malls and endless traffic yeah i didn't realize it that either and so it but it absolutely is and so um that was that was sort of eye-opening for me that i think it, it is one of those great cities of architecture and so being able to um see and learn about the history of Los Angeles through that lens of architecture is really fascinating to me because I think it tells um, a very interesting story. Yeah. Now, how much is your obsession with Frank Lloyd Wright himself? It kind of uh, has to be, right? Well, there, yeah, very much so. He's he's um, he's a big part of it. It kind of is twofold in that way. But yeah, he he started it. But and I'm still very fascinated by him as a character and by yeah. him as a architect, because he he was, um, I think, very much a master of uh, his own image and marketing too, just as much as he was an architect. <laughs> he didn't need um, an app. No, yeah. he didn't need an app. He was uh, very good at at promoting himself. But yeah, but I, he I, is like one of the only rock star architects like right yeah, in that way yes i mean if you were to ask i think just about any average person they that's the one architect they could probably yeah. name um and and then i would say until i sort of went down this hole too that was probably true for me but i think we have a, a lot of other great architects yeah. like frank gary is really i think pretty well known um and there's some here in los angeles like richard neutra and rudolph schindler who were proteges of, of frank lloyd wright but he's kind of the the guy right like he's he often he even referred to himself as the greatest and would compare (laughs) himself to like michelangelo and stuff like he thought very highly of himself um so yes but maybe not i I don't think he was necessarily wrong though okay so you think his architecture totally deserves to be studied and if he was a uh quiet maybe mousy person who's just like i quietly built this beautiful building They'd still be appreciated, but maybe they're appreciated even more because he's like, motherfuckers, it's me, Frank Lloyd Wright. I yeah. made another beautiful building. Yeah, I, he was certainly prolific. Um, I I think that uh, his designs are best observed as works of art. I don't okay. know that they're always the best structurally sound. Um, for example, for, for, for yeah. example, um, Hollyhock House. Uh, has a flat roof. Um, there is a reason that most houses don't have flat roofs, <laughs> and that is rain. Um, you need rain to not to stay go on somewhere, the roof. Yeah. <laughs> right. Even in Los Angeles, um, it is rainy today, as a matter of fact. But yes, uh, even uh, we have rain here, and you need to have some, you need to deal with that. So Part of the reason we were um, closed for so long and doing that restoration was because we needed to replace the roof because it was leaking. Okay. Um, that's true of a lot of Frank Lloyd Wright houses. Uh, they often are, they are notorious for leaking. Okay. So maybe not structurally sound all the time. Do you think he knew that he was making something that was risky? Was it sort of like, I don't care, I'm, I'm being a rebel, it's, th- my roof's going to be flat? Yeah, I think, I think. To some extent, yes, that was very much him. He cared about the aesthetics and the details, but maybe not those details. Okay, not this. But yeah, but <laughs> yeah, like he didn't want the house to fall down. But you know, I, I'm not sure that that was ever his 
primary concern. Okay. So, which is weird to say, but yeah. Yeah. So you obviously you know Hollyhock well. Um, yes. And can you describe Hollyhock a little bit for people who haven't had the joy of being there? Yes. So it is, like I said, the first house that he built in Los Angeles. Um, it was really kind of the beginning of the second part of his career. Up to that point, he had just been doing commissions for super rich people. Okay. This was still technically a commission for a super rich lady, Aline Barnstall. Um, but so it wasn't – he did he – start, he became really well-known later for, like, building modern – uh, well-designed houses for the middle class. That happened way later after okay. this. But so this is like, he's still designing for rich people. Um, and Hollyhock House, when you look at it, it very much looks like a Mayan temple. Um, yes. It sits on top of the hill, just really sort of brooding. <laughs> and it it's the outside is just looks completely like concrete. It's not totally concrete, but it looks that way. Um, but it's and then it's got this repeating geometric pattern on the outside of it. Um, that's meant to represent the hollyhock. Um, Holly, Hollyhock House got its name because Aline Barnsdall, uh, the woman who commissioned the house, and she's a fascinating person too, um, her favorite flower was the hollyhock. Okay. And that was really her only direction to Frank Lloyd Wright. Make when it he, look like this flower. She's like, I want you to incorporate this flower. Um, if, if you don't know the flower, they grow to be really super tall, like 10, 15 feet tall. Um, they've got huge flowers on the top and, the, and big leaves on the bottom. So he turned it into this geometric pattern that okay. you see on the outside of the house just repeated constantly. And then when you get inside the house, it's everywhere you turn. It's on the light fixtures. It's on the rugs. It's okay. on the furniture. <laughs> um, it's in the woodwork. It's it's on the leaded glass, stained glass. Like everywhere you turn, there is some version of this hollyhock. So he really uh, went nuts with that. Um, it just Do you over think the- there was even like a sense of humor to it? Or was he was like, she asked for hollyhock. She's going to get hollyhock. Um, I think he liked the design of it. I don't think okay. he was being, you know, um, snarky about it. But <laughs> there were not uh, ironic hollyhocks. No, okay. no. I think he. I think he wanted. Um, I think he wanted to give her what she wanted. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Um, but I mean, given that that was her only direction to him, and he kind of got to run with the rest of it. Um, you know that he he sure did what she wanted. So um, the inside, though, um, the, the whole motif of Hollyhock House is that he wanted to bring the outdoors inside. He was super taken with um, our Southern California weather uh, being from the Midwest. Yeah. So he really wanted it to feel like you could be indoors or outdoors at any point in time. <gasps> really? Yeah. And That's so amazing. there's tons of windows. There's about 144 uh, stained glass windows. They're not complete stained glass, but yeah. like windows with different little pieces of stained glass. Um, he uses a lot of materials that we always think of as outdoor materials inside. So there's a lot of concrete inside the house too. Okay, cool. Um, he also does that sort of bumpy stucco stuff that we see on walls inside houses now. But way back in 1919 when he was building this house, people only did that on the outside of houses. Okay. So he did that inside, which no one had ever heard of before. Um, and then he'd used a ton of wood and a lot of beautiful woodwork. Um, so he wanted to do that. He also, all of the paint colors that you see in Hollyhock House are these like beautiful, neutral, earthy greens and um, uh, beiges and stuff okay. like that. Um, so he brought a lot of those indoor, outdoor, seamlessness kind of ideas. He also, the other main thing he did was every interior room has an exterior counterpart. So there's a, the the main centerpiece of Hollyhock House is this massive living room. It's okay. like yes. massive, and um, uh, he also built an inner courtyard that mirrors it. So the inner courtyard is the same um, almost size and shape of the yeah. living room, and it sort of okay, matches. Cool. So it almost makes it feel like all the outdoor spaces are part of the. They are yeah. part of the house, but in this very, um, very very sense of like I could hang out on this yeah. in this space. So he did stuff like that. He had a lot of tricks that he used yeah. to, to make it feel like there was real seamlessness between that, the two. Uh, that's really fascinating to me because that's a a surprise that I had when I moved here from the Midwest. Like the Midwest has that if you are inside, you are inside. You and were, I kept yes. going in particular to sometimes apartment complexes, but a lot of times uh fun little bars or restaurants 
and you pass through a door and you're seated and you, there are walls and then you look up and there's not a roof. And right. I, it's, it started to be a right. joke with our mutual friend, Josh Kagan, where we'd go somewhere and it's like, Los Angeles, you might be outside and you wouldn't know it first. Right. And it's just so foreign and weird to me. Because I know. like it's a state of alarm if you're outside in the Midwest. It's either too it's hot. Cold. It's either you're either being, you know, right. snowed on or you're burning alive or mosquitoes are picking you up and carrying your body away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. When I first moved here, I joked that um, the summers are great here because anything you do inside, you can also do outside. You just do them outside. <laughs> we go to the movies outside. We go to pick. We do everything yes. outside that we would normally do inside yeah. during the summers. Yeah. Here. I'm surprised there aren't like showering parties because you could do right. that outside too. Why right. Not? You can do anything outside. Yeah. Anything you want um yeah so and and that was um that whole idea of indoor outdoor and nature just in general became a larger theme in his houses down the road too it kind of started to he was known for i think he called it organic architecture so that's what wikipedia said yeah he started to really yeah he really i think hollyhock house was one of the first times he started to play with that idea but he ended up doing that quite a bit later on, too. So it was one of the things he became well-known for. Okay. Um, with things like Falling Water, which is the one that everybody knows. It's the that famous he, one in, in, in Pennsylvania. In, okay. Yeah, and it's it literally uses water as part of the architecture. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he became really well-known for that, um, that his, idea. So some of his other L.A. ones, uh, and his house a lot of people know from movies yeah. and televisions, and it was used. The Blade Runner house. The Blade Runner house. It was strangely used as the show within a show on the first season of Twin Peaks. Oh, yes, it was. That's right. Yeah, that's like that's the most bizarre one of like we're filming a fake soap opera for inside our brave new strange uh socio sexual murder mystery soap opera and why don't we just film a fake soap opera Mm -hmm. for a day Mm -hmm. inside the ennis house um what are the some of the other other ones in la um so there's uh ennis house which is is also a fascinating one um it's close to the public now but for a long time they used it for like filming for all that stuff um these days it's owned by the guy who owns the ralph's grocery store chain really mr ralph uh (laughs) yes mr ron burkle it's not his home it's not his primary house um but he just bought it and restored it so I have had a chance to go inside. Nice. It's beautiful. It actually, if any house looks like a Mayan temple, like that's it. Because inside it looks like an actual 20 foot high ceilings, all these like columns. And it, but, uh, but, uh, it's closed to the public. But I guess when he bought it and restored it, part of the agreement he made when he, um, bought the house was that the LA Conservancy who helps, um, uh, conserve historic homes and historic buildings here said, you have to open this to the public 12 days a year. Okay. What they didn't say though was that he had to advertise when those 12 days were. So, <laughs> do you just go to Ralph's and ask a random employee? No, is this one of the Ennis days? No, you. Ha- but I have heard of people that have just driven by because you can drive by it. Yeah, um, it's and have seen visible this- even from yeah, the street. You can yeah, see- yeah, you can probably see it from here. Um, but you'll just see this teeny tiny little sign that says "Tours Today." Um, <laughs> if you drive by it, if you really? get lucky, yeah, twelve days a year he has to open it. So, wow. yeah. Um, but the other houses, um, there's the store house. Um, there's the, oh gosh, there's one in Pasadena and I always forget the name of it. Um, the Minna, I can't remember it now. Um, and then there's the other one, uh, that UCLA owns, the... Gosh, I'm terrible with names. Because a lot um, of these aren't open for tours, right? No, so Hollyhock House is the only one actually in Los Angeles that's open to the public. So otherwise you can just drive by most of them, but not all of them. Right, right. Um, yeah, the one in Pasadena, I guess there's a, a caretaker's house that's next to the main house and someone lives there and she gets bombarded with people constantly wanting to come and take tours. And so she's had to put a little sign in her yard that's like, I'm a private person, but if you want a tour, maybe we can, uh, maybe you can bring me a bottle of wine and we yeah. can talk. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, all of the other houses in Los Angeles are are not open to the public. So for your Ennis house tour, did you get a heads up through LA Conservancy or did you just go by? I know you to be an adventurous person who makes things happen in exciting, exotic ways. Did you do something weird to get your Ennis house tour? I did not. So one of the best perks of being a docent at Hollyhock House is that we get to take field trips to um, historic homes in Los Angeles, 
oftentimes homes that are not open to the public. Okay. One of those was Ennis House. And actually, I'm going back on Sunday. Nice. Um, because they, I guess they liked us, so we're going to go back. <laughs> um, and, and it's such a cool house that I couldn't say no. Um, but yeah, so th- it was through Hollyhock Houses okay. and Docent. That's like one of our big perks is we get to go see cool houses. Okay. Um, so have you been in any of the other ones in Los Angeles yet? I haven't been to any of his other houses uh, in Los Angeles. Um, one of them is falling into uh, the sea. Okay. Uh, it's own, or not this, uh, that's a little dramatic, but it is, it is literally falling down the hill that it was built on. Okay. It's owned by UCLA. It's just, it was not maybe constructed to last stay on top of the hill yeah and and here's the thing right so he built houses this was he was building houses in la in the 20s um he would his houses are not earthquake proof they're not built to be earthquake proof and so if you build a house right on the edge of a hill which is what he liked to do that's what he's well (laughs) known for he likes to build them on the edge uh of course one of them is bound to fall off the side see he is totally a rock star of like i don't really care about structure but i'm gonna put him on the edge of a hill rock and roll that was like one of his signatures was like yeah yeah i saw when i was looking up on wikipedia that he also made arch obler's gatehouse and i don't know if you know arch obler I don't. Can't believe I get. I, this is the second time in the last couple of weeks I've been I'm able excited. to talk about Arch Obler on Who this is podcast. This? He made a horror radio anthology show for like old time radio, so 30s, 40s, uh-huh. uh, that was called Arch Obler's Lights Out Everybody. And he personally introduced them all. And it's this very creepy, weird show um, where it, it would start by saying, It is later than you think and then be like a warning that it's maybe too scary and like hi i'm arch obler and he would explain his scary story and they'd be weird and sometimes they would involve people getting superpowers from alcohol oh my gosh great very weird thing magical and where is this house or where is uh, it's it's in malibu okay Um, and i'm 99 sure that i remember that correctly from wikipedia yeah i might have got it wrong But I believe it's in Malibu, right, and Arch Obler and his wife were going to make this big compound and uh-huh. hired Frank Lloyd Wright, and he made a little gatehouse and then a oh. little side house. And then before they could build the rest of the compound, uh, World War II was ramping up. Oh, I have heard. I've and heard. Like, we need the steel for war, not <laughs> creepy radio man's house. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, but no. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I was really excited to see that that that's convergence. Very, that's very cool. Yeah. And and Frank Lloyd Wright's son, Lloyd. Uh, <laughs> really? Uh, yes. His Lloyd son, Frank Wright? Lloyd. Well, he was actually Frank Lloyd Wright Jr., but I guess they just called him Lloyd. Okay. Go figure. But um, he built a bunch of houses, too, um, in Los Angeles. And he kind of eventually evolved into his own style. But when he first started here, he kind of just kind of copied his dad's style. So he actually made some renovations to Hollyhock House at a couple points oh, wow. in time. Um, but he also built um, the Soden House, which is um, on Franklin Avenue. And it's most well known for uh, being maybe the house where uh, the Black Dahlia was murdered in oh, the basement. Really? Yeah. It's super dramatic. It's called the Jaws House, not because it actually has anything to do with the movie Jaws, <laughs> but because when you look at it, it looks it like looks, Jaws. It looks like the jaws of a shark with all this glass and like Mayan temple kind of feel. Wow. But yeah, that's um speaking of weird creepy <laughs> architecture yeah. notes. But yeah, um <laughs> yeah. So almost all of his houses, well all of his houses here were built explicitly for someone else. So as a fan of his houses, when you see them, are they more the person he built them for or are they more his house? Oh, they're always more his house. Okay. I mean, well, Certainly Hollyhock House was was mostly him. Um, part of what happened um, with Hollyhock House, I think, is pretty fascinating. It was actually never lived in as what? a residence. Yeah. Fascinating, right? So she... Aline, too many Hollyhocks and she's too like, many I'm, Holly- I'm creeped out. Yeah, she can't handle it. No. So Aline Barnsdall was the woman that commissioned um, the house. Barnsdall Park is named after her, of course. Um, what she really wanted was this 1,200-seat outdoor theater. Okay. And because she wanted to produce and direct theater. Um, and so she uh, commissioned him to build Hollyhock House as a place where she could live while she was making theater. So she built that or she bought that whole park wow. area. And her plan was to build this theater. And she commissioned him to build the theater as well. 
the thing is he had never built a theater before. Um, so he started on Hollyhock House and then there's two guest houses that went along with it. Um, he went four times over that budget on those. <laughs> and she was a wealthy lady, but, yeah, but she still. was she was like, you know, but we gotta maybe curb that a little bit. Um he he also kept giving her blueprints for the theater that had technical issues. Um Things like, you know, there's no way to get set pieces into the backstage area, stuff like <laughs> okay. like major things. Yeah. And um, the seats are facing away from the stage. Yeah. Right, right, right. And so she said, you have to fix this. She was actually a lot like Frank Lloyd Wright. Her personality was super, I want it the way I want it and yeah. I'm going to do this. And she said, you have to fix this and you have to give me a budget for the theater. And he wouldn't give her either of those things. So she ended up firing him. Wow. So... Uh, she fired him, and Hollyhock House was maybe 90% finished. Uh, she hired Neutra and Schindler, who are two super famous architects here in L.A., um, protégés of his, that to finish it. They were already project managers, so they finished the house. But when the house was done, she's like, I'm a, I'm a rich lady. I have houses. I don't need another house. What I wanted was a theater. And this was just a house to be there so she right. could chill so, after so, the show. Yep. And so... Uh, the house was finished in 1921, and she just wanted to get rid of it pretty much immediately. Wow. So finally, what she did was in 1927, she donated what's now the park and the house to the city of Los Angeles. Um, so she never lived there. No one's ever lived there. Um, and, and yeah. So <laughs> It has to be like the least... Uh, like there's so many stories of houses being haunted because like everything you're saying, like right. like famous murders, famous incidents, yep. uh, you know, and this is a town where a lot of young, desperate people come. So there's lots of stories, there's both of true scandal. and fabricated right. of, so if you talk to an old time LA resident, they'll be like, yep, that's the so-and-so house. That's a, right. that's a fascinating to have a house that's haunted by a theater that was never there. The theater that never occurred. Yeah. And a lot of people when I'm giving tours at Hollyhock House are like, it's haunted, right? And I'm like, it is absolutely not haunted. No one lived here. I'm so sorry. I wish I That's wish so I could great. tell you it was haunted, but it's definitely not haunted. Um, but I will say this. She did get her outdoor theater because she became one of the largest donors to the Hollywood Bowl, the very first Hollywood oh, Bowl. Wow. So we wouldn't have a, a Hollywood Bowl Without, without, Aline, uh, without Aline Barnsdall. So, and now they show movies in the summer, right? Yeah. Outside that? That's yep. great. So. Yeah. So she, yeah. So And the whole park is still devoted to the arts, which is what she really wanted. Yeah. Um, so her mission sort of came to be, just not maybe in the way she wanted it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So well, the next time I go see a movie and have to sit on my ass on a blanket, I'll be like, thanks, Frank Lloyd Wright. I <laughs> could have been in a nice theater. <laughs> I could have been, been on my ass in a nice on a blanket. Theater. No, no, no. Yeah, so so Hollyhock House certainly was mostly his vision and not really for her. Okay. Um, other houses, the Ennis House, I've heard that they were paying him a lot more money, so they, he might have been willing to put in some of their ideas more so than than other homes that he had built. Um, the other houses that he built here, I think, were sort of somewhere between those two. Okay. Where he, he would consider what people wanted but um not always one of the famous things that he's really well known for is he builds the he builds these super low ceilings in all of the entryways and all of the hallways he called it compression and release okay and so when you go from the super low ceiling into a room it's got this super high ceiling then and he did it um for dramatic flair, because the guy knew how to be dramatic yeah. about things. Um, but he also did it to sort of visually guide you into spaces. Yeah. But what? So Hollyhock House, for example, our our ceiling height is six foot eight. Um, we had a seven foot tall gentleman the other day, and it was I felt bad for him. Yeah. Because he was sort of leaning over the whole time. This is very beautiful. Oh, yeah. Like it's really great. Oh, I'm cra- <laughs> cranking my neck. Um, but so I, I've heard that he would maybe adjust the ceiling height for his clients if they were taller. But okay. I've not heard if that's actually true or not. <laughs> so to what extent he accommodated people? Yeah. Is up for debate. <laughs> okay. So you must think about this all the time. Would you want to live in one of his houses? Mm, so I would have to say no, actually. Well, okay. no, because there are other houses in Los Angeles <laughs> built by other people that I'd rather live in if it, if it, if it's a contest. Um, like the stall house, which is um, 
was one of the so Los Angeles had um, a long time ago this case study program is what they called it, and they invited all these really famous architects to come build one house. Yeah. And so there's all these case study houses like the Eames uh, who are really famous for like their chairs and stuff built a house over in um, Pacific Palisades and um, you know there's all these different ones but there's this one called the Stall House and it's like 270 degree views um, up in the Hollywood oh, Hills. Oh yeah, yeah. It's got there's a really famous photo of these two women sitting in the corner overlooking Los Angeles. Um, uh, Pierre Koenig was the phot- photographer's name. Okay. So, uh, I would want to live in that house, I think. <laughs> or maybe, um, the, there's this other house called the Sheets Lautner residence, which I think they filmed part of the Big Lebowski there, but, um, it's got this oh, tr- yeah, yeah. triangle pool and it's owned by this old rich man that, like, likes photography and models and NBA basketball now. He's <laughs> a fascinating man. Um, he's, yeah. <laughs> How is it public knowledge that he re- does he invite NBA basketball players over and takes no, pictures of them? Or? Well, no. So we uh, we got to take a tour of that house, and um, uh, when we were there, uh, his house is covered in photographs of him with uh, like famous people, like okay. me and Kanye. I cannot I cannot stress <laughs> enough. He's like a ninety year old man that okay. wears like fancy, crazy leather <laughs> cowboy suits. He's a crazy cool guy yeah um but uh we were in his office and i saw these giant um uh uh business cards but they looked like half a sheet of paper because he's a a flamboyant guy um and apparently you know so his um his business card just said three things on it it had his name and then it had uh architecture photography basketball that's what was on his uh business card so that's why i know that and i <laughs> but that implies he does basketball in some way no he just likes to attend the basketball and professionally professional basketball <laughs> yes he um i think if you follow his instagram too he, okay. it's always pictures of him with famous basketball players okay yeah in any case though i would also live in that house because it's real um uh fancy and sort of mid-century modern um and you can see a lot of the the influence that frank lloyd wright had on both of those houses okay and i think that's what you see a lot with a lot of the other sort of historically significant houses in la that's kind of what i love about frank lloyd wright is he had he wasn't here very long but he left such a big impact (laughs) so he's just he showed up at the party he made a huge impression he left everybody's still talking about him and trying to do things the way he did him 100 percent. yes yes so that's where your your obsession comes from is because he is the the progenitor of all this yes okay yes so have you ever done anything different with your own living space in in being influenced by Frank Lloyd Wright, have you tried to like? How can I come press and release in my apartment? I don't want that in my house. That <laughs> seems very claustrophobic. Um, I don't know. Um, it, it's hard. Uh, it's hard as a person who rents to make you know significant changes yeah. like that. But um, I don't know. I um, I, I like. I'm very much of a sort of modern. I like mid-century modern um, sort of style. So I do a lot of that in my house. Um, but I, I don't know that I'd say it's necessarily, frankly, right inspired. But there is. I was looking for. Um, I needed a new lamp in my living room recently, okay. and so I was looking on this website, and they had this uh, Frank Lloyd Wright lamp like giant uh sort of floor lamp uh all made out of this beautiful wood that had super intricate details and i was like oh that's beautiful i want that for my living room that's the one i'm gonna get (laughs) and then i saw that the price was like twenty five hundred dollars and was like never mind (laughs) um but i if if i could afford it i would have that frank lloyd wright lamp in my house okay so you'd have a little bit of that structure i would love to have some yeah because i like what he does um i just maybe can't afford it yeah so i mean that's a good thing uh that i wanted to be sure to ask um obviously has specific design motifs and and you're talking about them very knowledgeably and intellectually but just like, how does it make you feel? Like, when you saw that lamp and gravitated toward it and then found out it was Frank Lloyd Wright, what, what about the actual 
movement or energy is speaking to you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think with with a lot of his designs, Hollyhock House included, um, there's there's just this sense of modernness to it that even now it it makes me feel like so captivated uh, that he was able to build in the 1920s something that feels even ahead of its time today. Yeah. Um, and, and it just sort of, sometimes it takes my breath away, literally takes my breath away. I spend a lot of time in Hollyhock House and it's still, I will find new details that just yeah. astonish me and and surprise me. Um, so I'm I'm often surprised and and excited and delighted yeah. by, by the things that he creates. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty um, amazing to think of. Like, I could have a lamp and every once in a while I walk by my lamp and go, oh! Right? I know. Or to see <laughs> some new detail that fresh you didn't, and exciting you about didn't your notice. Lamp. I yeah. know. Just to find, to be able to see things that you haven't seen before Yeah, um, is what just really excites me about what he does. Yeah. If you could have a drink with him, if you could sit down and have a couple drinks with Frank Lloyd Wright, what would you want to talk to him about? What would you want to find out? Oh, man. Um... I don't. Hmm. Or would you not want to have a drink with Frank Lloyd Wright? I don't know if I would because he was kind of a brash dude. I don't know. <laughs> he um, he uh, he was really notorious. So when you when you got Frank Lloyd Wright as your architect, you also got him as your um, interior designer. Oftentimes, he would build your furniture. He would do your silverware. He okay. would do all of it. And he was super notorious for. Uh, just stopping by to see what you've done with the place. What? Because he was a control freak, right? Okay. And so he wanted to see, and that's always why he built. He d- he's also famous for like building a lot of the furniture into the wall, so you can't move it. Um, <laughs> he and decides where your couch goes. Yeah, so that's where that goes. And so he, but so he would just stop by. And so if I lived in a Frank Lloyd Wright house, <laughs> and he just stopped by at my house just to see what I've done with yeah. things, um, I would uh, be a little. Nervous nervous but i think um i don't know i would just i think i would just l- let him uh talk about whatever he wanted because i feel like he would be a guy that would just if you let him go <laughs> say all kinds of crazy shit okay what if you wanted to impart something to him though because uh you have a and i mean this is a compliment when when you're socializing, you have a strong personality. You let people know what you think. So when I think of you sitting down to have a drink with somebody, I don't think, oh, she's going to be a bit of a wallflower. <laughs> I think she's going to tell people what's on her mind. So if it was that you were sitting down with him and you're like, Frank, I've been working at the Hollyhock House for a long time and I have some thoughts. You should reconsider X. Yeah. Um, well, I might ask him why everything leaks. <laughs> Because, I mean... You're going to be that much of a control freak. How's the house doing? Yeah. It's leaking, asshole. It's leaking. It's leaking, you dummy. Um, I, 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 might, I might ask him about that. Um, wh- why you paid attention to every other little detail. Why did you not care so much about that? Yeah. Um, and I guess I might, I might actually want to ask him about... Um, if if he thinks form or function matter more oh you yeah. know like is it do you care more about the design or do you care more about the structural aspect and and maybe there's somewhere out there where he's already well documented on that i don't know but yeah. i would want to know that but i would i would um yeah i would want to ask him more about that and and probably tell him maybe focus on both of those things equally yeah and that's fascinating with building furniture into a place too if it's because i have studied the energy and the flow of this room and i feel like this is the place for the this bookshelf in this chair so that's where they have to be or is it just utter control freak of don't move my stuff um oh it's utter control freak yeah. Uh, wow. Absolutely. Um, he was also notorious. So in Hollyhock House, above the fireplace, which is in the, the main living room, he created this beautiful design in concrete. And he did that so that she could not hang her artwork above the fireplace. <laughs> um, and wow. he did a lot of that. Um, he also would build hallway walls so that uh, they were sort of, con. I guess it's concave, so that you couldn't hang your artwork on them. Okay. Because he didn't think artwork belonged there. 
Yeah, so um, these were not other people's houses. These are all his house. Yeah, so very, very much a control freak. I, I will also say, though, uh, to to maybe give him some credit, sometimes the the need for building the furniture as built-ins to the wall and things like that, especially later in his career when he was building affordable houses for yeah. for people in the in that Usonian style is what he called it. Um, it was a it was trying to give them something that was affordable you know to, yeah you've got furniture with your house so yeah. i think that w- he, he was trying to do that too okay. later on yeah that's fair all right yeah. so uh last question for this segment if frank lloyd wright was alive today and he was going to build a house for you or maybe even inspired by you what do you think that house would be like oh wow uh i think it would definitely have a lot of um uh, maybe maybe not like a total uh, open, you're outside now, uh, but maybe a little bit of that. Yeah. But I think there'd be a lot of uh, glass. I think there'd be a lot of openness. Uh, I'd probably um, want him to uh, incorporate a lot of, and he did a little bit of, or he was kind of well known for this, but I would want him to really kind of go over the top with it using affordable materials okay. and not these super expensive fancy things but like um you know using concrete or using stuff you know everyday stuff yeah. to make something extraordinary i would want him to do that i think okay um even you know like over the top and how is that in a, a reflection of you or your values because i feel like that's what i do a lot of okay um <laughs> i i uh i i am a person who likes to very much um take things that are normal and turn them into something special okay um like that might actually be uh how i describe my own style in my house um and sort of how i decorate like i don't i i will buy something at ikea but then i'll make it magical okay so you, you take <laughs> ikea and you throw away the uh, little ikea instruction yeah. booklet and say yes. buy little ikea humans i'm gonna put this together the way i want to put it together yes absolutely <laughs> nice. absolutely yeah so I, I think maybe that's a reflection of my style but and maybe that's how i think perhaps i've been influenced by him too is you know taking everyday things and yeah making them something special So we're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. These are questions that I ask all my guests or different variations of these questions. Do you think about Frank Lloyd Wright architecture every day? Uh, Probably. (laughs) Yeah, probably. When you're not at Hollyhock, what makes it pop into your mind? Anything. Literally anything. I will uh, oftentimes be uh, talking to someone at work and they will bring it up. They'll be like, hey, have you been at Hollyhock? Because they all know that I'm yeah. a, a big docent there. And so, um, yeah, so there's that. And I guess I just, um, I don't know. I'm just, it's like always a thing. I'm like, when's the next time I'm going to go? Okay. <laughs> like I'm always wondering. It sounds weird, but. No, it's not I'm, weird. I'm just, uh, there's always something to think about so is this but are you actively thinking about it like i'm really i saw this detail in ennis house so i'm uh pondering it or is it more like wistful staring off into the distance of like can't wait until i go back to ennis no it's not like that um a lot of times people will send me articles about houses that are for sale in los angeles and i'll think about even if it's not a frank lloyd wright house because there's not that many of them um if it's like some cool mid-century modern house uh that's now for sale i will look at it and i'll be like oh wow these are things that are similar to frank lloyd wright and hollyhock house and these are not okay so it'll be stuff like that that'll just sort of pop in it's not like i'm sitting around just wondering about what's happening at the, at the house without me. Um, what's going on at the house? What are they doing without me? Oh. I wonder if a super tall person's there. Yeah, right? You're right. No. So it's a lot of times because someone uh, – people send me stuff a lot about, okay. about it. And other – actual other docents, we post stuff. We have a, a Facebook group where we're all okay. talking about stuff too, I suppose. So there's that. Okay. So that's it's sort of uh, a part of your personal brand, which is I, – I you end up using that term on this podcast a lot. Like, And it's a, a lot of people don't like the term, but it's true. We get to know yeah. – we get to know people and we know they like these four or five things. So every time I have a lot of people who just send me like, I saw something about Star Wars or Squirrels. So here you go. And I'm like, great. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. I think, yes, I, I didn't realize that it had become so much of my brand until <laughs> recently when someone's like, yeah, you're the Hollyhock House person, right? I'm like, 
oh yeah, I guess I am. Yeah. I guess yes, I'm I am that person to many people now. Yeah, I will accept that mantle. Yep, I, I I'm okay with that. If you were trapped in an elevator with four other people, how long would it take until Frank Lloyd Wright architecture came up in conversation? Oh, uh, I don't know, maybe twenty minutes. Okay. Maybe. I mean, after we sort out the business of being stuck in the elevator. Yeah, like once you know, like, yep, we're stuck. Yeah. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. There's nothing to do. Yeah. And it's up to you to make conversation. I would, I mean, well, yeah, probably, probably 20 minutes. (laughs) I don't know. We had drinks recently. How long did it take me to bring them for Clark Wright? I think it was pretty quick. It was, yeah, okay. Yeah. I was like, it was probably a while, right? Like an hour? No, no. No, maybe. Well, I, I had already had a drink by the time you got there. So. Fair. No, okay. no, no. I was late. Oh, no, I had a drink at home. Anyway, see, I can't remember anything. I feel like it came up quickly. But sure. I also, because I have experience with historic houses, uh, so does my wife. That's It is true. a thing that pops to my mind when I see you because I know you were one of the other people I know who is super into it and super knowledgeable with it. So there's a part of me that's like, ooh, great. I wonder is, if Jen's going to have anything new or interesting to tell me. That is true. Your wife and I talk about historic homes an awful lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun thing to nerd out about. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so if you were trapped in an elevator with my wife, immediately. Oh, 30 seconds. <laughs> we That's all we would talk about, I'm pretty sure. I'm going to change this conversation or this question to if you're trapped in an elevator with my wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would you drive a van that had I love Frank Lloyd Wright airbrushed on the side of it? Sure. Sure. <laughs> you can say sure. no. No, I mean, it's not so much that I don't want to drive um, that around. Like, I don't, I'm not worried about professing my love for him. Yeah. Uh, I just don't like to drive giant cars. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's more my hesitation. <laughs> fair um, enough. Yeah. So on your current car, would you get an airbrush that says something about Frank Lloyd Wright architecture? I mean, sure. My car's already bright orange. Why not okay. just over <laughs> the top it. with it, right? Just go for it. Yeah. But you don't mind engaging. You like to engage. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, would you buy uh, and wear Frank Lloyd Wright architecture pajamas or underwear? Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I have this um, uh, dream that um, – so I don't go to Comic-Con or, or cons very – it's just not my thing. Yeah. Um, but I am I am totally fascinated and love people who cosplay and I just have this deep desire to cosplay as a – architectural significant building like a Frank Lloyd Wright building or yeah. like the Guggenheim or something. Yeah. Um, but yes, I would also wear pajamas or underpants with <laughs> that on it. Okay. So it's something that you uh, would want to display publicly like at a Comic-Con thing. Sure. Which takes care of one of my later questions. Uh, but it's also something that you like enough that you would like to just have it in a place where, you know, other people aren't going to see it, but you're just wearing it around the house. Yep. One hundred percent. Actually, sometimes I also secretly cosplay as Hollyhock House when I'm volunteering. How do you do that? Um, I will wear like my. I will make sure my color scheme matches, and I'll do my makeup to match it, um, and my. Uh, jewelry will be gold. Like it's. I'm just picturing some weird Wes Anderson scene where you it, like blend into the walls of the Hollyhock House. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's more of like a very gentle cosplay. Like okay. I'm not dressed up. I'm not like wearing a <laughs> box that looks like the building. But I'm just trying to be thematically. It's like Disney bounding, but yeah. a building. That's awesome. <laughs> Do people notice? I think one person noticed yeah. once. Um, they were like, "Oh, look, you're you match." You match the house. <laughs> you match the house. Um, yeah, so I think one time I have been noticed. Okay. But they were like, was that on purpose? And I was like, yes, yes it was. <laughs> Thank you for asking. <laughs> Would you fight with a friend or family member who said his houses were stupid? Um, I I, ha- I have had people tell me that he is stupid, that his houses are stupid. Um, I- I'm not one to fight about it because I-, I do think um, – I'll engage in a conversation, but I, I'm not necessarily going to oppose you. Okay. Because um, I do think he was a very um, loud personality. Yeah. Um, and so I get it. Uh, he's not necessarily for everybody. But I, I, I will say that I think uh, his talent was perhaps undeniable. So it's it's if you're just like, I don't like it, fine. Yeah. Um, but if you're like, he was terrible – Sure, personally, maybe, but yeah, but like artistically, I, I think it's hard to. I don't know. I, I would maybe take issue with that. Okay, I would maybe fight with someone about that. Okay, so you would engage for sure, 
and only escalate to a fight if somebody was being a real jerk. Yes. Yeah, because it is, uh, this is a bit of a weird analogy, but it is like we're going through in the pop culture world right now where a movie will make an insane amount of money. All of the reviews will be good. Mm -hmm. The the audience scores that aren't weighted by people getting mad and, you know, Mm -hmm. having organized attacks are all good. So like, by every metric that we have, this subjective thing is as close as it can get to good. And I imagine like Frank Lloyd Wright in Architecture is like that of like, by every metric we have, he he made some cool shit. Right, right, exactly. Um, and so yeah, I I think it's yeah that's a great analogy because yeah it's it's hard to deny what he did, and it's okay if it's not for you. Not yeah. all not all things are for everybody, and that's okay. Um, I will oftentimes just sort of redirect and talk about um, either other architects or sometimes just Aline Barnsdall because she's. Wonderful. Okay. A wonderful. Because nice. usually when fights like this happen, I'm at Holly oh, Hawk. Right. House. So you can't just throw down and go. I'm <laughs> dressed as this house. Right. Don't fuck with me on this. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Don't argue. <laughs> uh, if Frank Lloyd Wright was alive and had a GoFundMe, would you support it? Probably. Okay. See, when I wrote this question, I thought it was absurd because I didn't know he was that bad with the money management. He, and oh, it he was like notoriously a... <laughs> bad with the money management. And that's where my hesitation is because I'm like, what are you going to do with that money? Yeah. Okay. So you would not trust him with a GoFundMe? No. He was a great artist and a terrible businessman. Okay. So I would not necessarily trust him. I would ask him to perhaps hire someone else to manage that GoFundMe <laughs> for him. Maybe I would manage that GoFundMe oh, for yeah, him. Oh, yeah. You would kill it. Yeah. yeah I'd be, be all right at that. <laughs> would you buy and eat novelty Frank Lloyd Wright cereal? Yeah. I think I would. Awesome. I mean, only if it's shaped like his houses and not like his head. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> That's a bridge too far for you. You yeah. won't eat his head. Nope. Yeah. I'm not going to eat little things shaped like him personally. Yeah. But but his buildings, sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it really is. You you have to know a lot about him to do what you do and to know the houses. But it's it is the architecture ultimately that you're obsessed with, not him. Yes. Well, I'm fascinated by him, but I'm not obsessed with him. Okay. I'm, yeah. I do like his buildings more. Okay. <laughs> than him, if you had to choose. Yeah. All right. So do you not? Is there a part of you that doesn't want to be obsessed with him because he wasn't a great guy Um, or had some notable flaws? Notable flaws is putting it mildly. (laughs) Um, That's like a total Jeopardy category, isn't it? Notable flaws for 400. Yep, yep. Um, I'm – no, I'm – I'm okay with uh, being fascinated and obsessed with him. I just think that despite all of his scandals and flaws, he, I don't know. He's, to me, the less interesting part of, of that equation. Yeah. Um, although I, I, you know, I do think he, there's – he lived an f- interesting life. Yeah. But, um, and, and all of that made it possible to do what he did. Um, so I'll, I'll say that, but I don't know. I'm, I'm curious about him as a person, but much more obsessed with his stuff, the work he did. Yeah. It's his legacy. That's the thing that actually stays that you can move around in and work at. Right. Exactly. Share with other people and all that. All right. I had a question about cosplaying at San Diego (laughs) Comic-Con. I wish more of my guests would get on top of my questions and answer them before I ask. That's awesome. (laughs) If there was a hole in the ground in the woods... And someone told you it was a secret secret portal to an unknown Frank Lloyd Wright house. Would you crawl through this hole in the woods? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Unequivocally, yes. Without so, hesitation. Really? Without really? hesitation, yes. Are you just not creeped out by holes in the woods? Or is it just that your your drive is that strong? It's just that strong. Okay. I would want to see it. I would desperately want to see that okay. house. So, yes, I would crawl through a hole in the woods. <laughs> so if you had to do other crazy things, uh, and this is kind of like a weird mystical thing, but if you had to do like, I don't know, if there was like, a, if it was a quest, like you really didn't need to go knock on doors and find that one person who would give you permission to see these other houses, like how far would you take it to get into the other houses? Oh, um, I don't think I'd ever, well... From a practical standpoint, I would never go knock on someone's door who lives in a Frank Lloyd Wright house right. and be like, can I please see I guess your what house? I meant by that is if there was but, like some sort of like um, but, quest. Like yes, a, but like, from, a, from a like real like what 
to what ends will I go? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I I would do a lot of things. I'm okay. not sure. I'm so is not it sure. time investment? Is it time? A lot of them cost a, the ones that are open to the public cost a lot of money to go to, and so that's always a consideration. But um, even that, I'd probably still I'd still consider unless it was just exorbitant. Okay. But, um, I would fly places. <laughs> to go to, I have not yet flown places. I would zip line. Okay. I would um, ride a unicorn um, <laughs> or that, a Pegasus. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't ride I mean, a Pegasus? yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, I would. Uh, I would do. A, I would do all of those things. Okay. Magic that answers carpet. my question. Yeah. <laughs> if you were about to tour a Frank Lloyd Wright house you'd never seen, but a bear got in your way, would you try to get around the bear? I would. Because I have been through bear training <laughs> and I know how to handle it. Okay. Um, Where did you go on bear training? So I used to work at a place. Um, it was a dance festival. It was out in the middle of the woods. Um, and so we were there all summer long. It was like summer camp with no children. It was just adults and dancing all the time, like okay. modern dance and stuff. But um, every summer we had to train the interns who were there for the summer about what to do if you see a bear. Okay. And so the answer <laughs> is you be bigger than the bear. So if you're wearing a hoodie, you like pull it up over you and you do this. <laughs> um, and so you sort of lumber around with your hands above your head. Um, and so you, and then you zigzag away and okay. then you go call the number for the park ranger. I feel like um, I've seen people do that just in modern dance so that would blend yeah, in with the all, camp very well yeah. exactly exactly so i yeah so i have i have had training in how to handle bears so yes i would get past that bear would you try to be bigger than the bear to make the bear move um i would just be bigger than the bear to get around the okay bear. would you be, excuse me bear i'm very large let yeah. me through excuse yeah. me please <laughs> i'm trying to get over there all right uh can you make a noise to sum up your obsession boop <laughs> now, why is why is it that noise? Um, it's so expansive by just being so small. Okay, which is how I feel. Frank Lloyd Wright is also okay. You feel um, like like that's just the li the little boop is the little beginning of his influence that spreads everywhere. It's the compression and release. <laughs> yes, yes. Nice. <laughs> Uh, I would like you to rate your obsession on a scale of, uh, let's say, one to seven. Seven being the highest, one being the lowest. How obsessed are you? Um, uh, seven and a half. Seven and a half. Okay, so you consider yourself that obsessed. Okay, I'm going to say six and a half. Okay, you can stay with seven and a half. <laughs> There's no. no wrong answer. Okay, let's let's meet in the middle and just say seven. I'm going to go with seven. You can go with seven. Yeah. Okay, what what makes you feel like for yourself you are all the way up there? Is it the amount of time that it it occupies your mind? Is it that you spend that much time at the Hollyhock House? Mm, I do spend a lot of time there, but I think it's a combination of that and also um, wanting to. Uh, uh, see every like just th I find that I go down a lot of Wikipedia holes like I think we all do yeah probably but mine tend to be very uh architecture <laughs> frankly right focused which um occurs to me as maybe a note about my obsession I'm okay. like oh right I guess not everyone does that um yeah but, that's a great test of mm. obsession to say is this your main go-to for wiki holes yes <laughs> yes <laughs> awesome uh, so where can people find you on social media if you want to be found oh um so yes you you can find me on social media. Um, on Twitter, I am at Stars in Jen's Eyes. I sometimes talk about uh, architecture, sometimes, um, but also cats. Uh, <laughs> and uh, also on Instagram, Stars in Jen's Eyes. And you will find lots of pictures of Hollyhock House there, um, including uh, a picture of Simon, our one and only resident, who is a cat. What? Uh, from last weekend, he he appeared. And so we had I had a like photo shoot with him uh lounging around the house does simon actually live there or is just a cat who wandered in no he does live there he he lives on the outside of the house okay. he's not inside the house but like he hangs out and in he's got like his little nooks uh that he lounges around on um so yes uh lots of pictures of the house and simon and <laughs> things like that on my instagram um and uh yeah so that's where you can find me awesome yeah. that's anything else you you want to plug 
I I'm I don't have I don't have things to plug <laughs> other than come come see me at Hollyhock House. Yeah. Um, I will give you a tour. Yeah. I'm always happy to give you a tour. And what of, where is the best place to go online? Is it uh, uh so barnsdallartpark.org, I think is where you okay. can find that. But you can always just ask me too. Um, okay. I will always let people know where, when, and where. Um, so yeah, I I would say come find me there. That's that's the only plug I can give. <laughs> that's, that's there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah, I have lots of performers who are just like sure. Yeah, twenty five minutes later. So that's great. Go yeah. to Hollyhock House, see yeah. some cats, and get a great tour. Yeah, it's very cheap. It's seven dollars. Can't Damn. can't beat it. Can't yeah. beat it. Damn, and you uh, you are $7 obsessed. That's all yeah. perfect. Makes sense. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Here's some quick plugs for this show, and then we'll do our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter, and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host, which is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. You get access to our monthly patron-only bonus episode, where my wife Sarah and I talk about something that we are obsessed with in the moment. For full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, so uh, that's plenty of plugs. That's a lot. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, solid. (laughs) Uh, Final questions. Don't have anything to do with your main topic, but they can if you want. If there was a movie based on your life, what would the genre of the movie be? Oh, what would the genre be? Um, I think it would be um, dysfunctional indie uh, comedy. Okay. <laughs> no, why is that? Uh, those are just the ones I relate to the most. Okay. Would would there be a musical element? Uh, pro- I mean, sure. Yeah, probably. So I'd say so. But you don't seem pretty uh, very excited about it. I just hadn't thought about that. But yeah, I th- now that you say it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That, yeah. Because you, you like musicals, right? I love musicals. And you've uh, been at a dance camp fighting off bears. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I am one with the arts. <laughs> and bears. Okay. So a dysfunctional family indie movie with uh, singing, dancing, and bears. I think that's a solid. I think that represents you well. If you could make everyone in the world do one specific thing each day, what would that one thing be? And it's everyone in the world. I would uh, make them read one random Wikipedia article. Just totally random. Just a random one. And do you think that would just wake people's minds to how varied our universe is? I think it helps keep us curious. Yeah. Yeah. And is yeah. that something that you value? Is is that a big reason that you think you've you've drifted into the work that you've drifted into i'm a curious person i like finding out about things i like knowing about things and yeah sometimes that involves random wikipedia articles but (laughs) i think just having a sense of curiosity um about anything is is keeps us all sort of thinking about things in a new way yeah i think is a good thing Absolutely. You know, uh, is the host of this podcast where I talk about a different thing every week. It's I'm going to go ahead and vociferously yeah. agree with that, that mm-hmm. people should read a Wikipedia article and listen to this podcast. <laughs> Tell oh. their friends about this podcast, right? Yes. <laughs> Tell them all. Tell them all. The final question for everyone on the podcast is what is happiness? Oh, happiness is um, sitting at Barnstall Art Park, <laughs> uh, drinking a glass of wine and watching the sunset. Oh, that is pretty beautiful. And I, one of my favorite selfies is exactly there through uh, with the sun through the wine glass. Yep. It is a thing of absolute beauty. It's, one of, it's my favorite thing about Los Angeles. Is sitting on that, yep. that hill with wine. Absolutely. White, red, does it make any difference? Any Anything is fine. <laughs> I'm not picky. Any wine is happiness. <laughs> any wine in the park is happiness. Now I sound like a, a wino. <laughs> You're going to have to work harder than that to sound like a wino. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Here's another fun thing about Simon. He catches newts.